Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we will explore the journey of Dr. Corey Hall. A former school librarian and middle school teacher, Corey currently serves as the Director of Curriculum Solutions at STEM Education Works and is an adjunct professor at Indiana Wesleyan University. I met Corey during a session at the ITEEA conference in Orlando in March 2022. So are you in Pennsylvania right now? Or are you back in Hawaii? Where are you so, at? Right now? <laughs> I feel like I don't even know where I am. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Pennsylvania until April 10th. And okay. then I'm in Hawaii for about three weeks. And then I'm home for a couple of weeks. And then I'm doing my final move uh, right after my son graduates. So he graduates the first week of June. So then I will go be with my husband at that. On this episode, we will hear about Corey's time as a middle grades teacher and school librarian and how the COVID-19 pandemic brought her to a crossroad in her career. On the following two episodes, we will hear Corey share about how she found her place in education, technology, and STEM through her college coursework and some impactful professors, as well as her current work as the Director of Curriculum Solutions at STEM Education Works, and how she taps into her previous work as a school librarian, connecting literacy, engineering, and the STEM of it all in her curricular work today. When I spoke with Corey in late March of 2022, I just had to learn more about how I could possibly run into a former school librarian at a STEM conference of all places. To hear Corey narrate it, it made all the sense in the world, but it also broke my heart to hear about the impacts of the pandemic on her professional work. So we met briefly at ITEEA mm-hmm. and you had shared that you used to be, I want to make sure you get the title right, school mm-hmm. librarian. Is that what we'll call it? Yeah, I was. Just, that was what I was called. Yeah, that okay. was my title, school librarian. I was a middle school teacher too. And you were let go because of budget things. Is that they eliminated that program? Kind of yes. take me take me through how long you were there and kind of like. <laughs> I know we talked about it a little bit, but for the sake of getting it recorded. Sure, absolutely. So I was a librarian. I think it was eight years. I was four years in one school. And then that was me covering two schools. And I moved over to same county, different district uh, for four years to a middle school, which is where my heart is. That's my, that's my, that's, I saw your initial degree was in middle grades education. That's right? my, that's my whole, like, that's my passion in life is middle right. school. Absolutely love middle school. So I was uh, at this little district in, in uh, Pennsylvania and been there for four years, I think really was doing good things with our program and then COVID hit. And so COVID hit March 13th, I think was our last day in school. We had no idea I, it was our last day. To preface, I, I had a child born that day. Did that you really? The, my youngest was born on March 13th. Yeah. Wow. So kind of the day of the world. We got that phone call when we were in the hospital after she was wow. born. Yeah. And we had no idea like that was it. When I was in my library on March 13th, I'd actually been on a field trip all day. And wow. um, had when I came back, all of a sudden there was chaos and, and kids were leaving early. And that was the last time I was ever in my library. So I had no idea that was going to happen. But anyway, so that was March 13th. And about June, I got a phone call from our principal who I loved. I love dearly. I think she's an amazing principal, but the school board and uh, district administration had decided that people who did not have homerooms were going to be removed from their positions and put into classrooms and that the library was not going to be a program that was going to be sustained at 
its current level. So they basically, they said I could go back to the classroom and I could teach STEM fifth and sixth grade. No, I was going to teach sixth grade STEM for three blocks of the day. And then the last block I was supposed to keep the library running. And I just was like that. That's not a sustainable model. I don't want to be back in the classroom. There isn't a STEM program. I'd have to start from scratch other than like what I had done with the makerspace. There wasn't a STEM program in place. Uh, They did the same thing to the high school library and they told her she'd have to come to the middle school and teach fifth grade STEM for three blocks and then try to run her high school library on one block a day. Um, And we just, both of us were like, this is not what we hired on to do. You know, we're librarians. We are very passionate about what we do. We feel like what we do is important. And so at that point I said, I I can't do this any longer. And, and I stepped out. So did you wrestle with that for a while? I I wouldn't say a while. I would say years. So this this was 2020 and I still grieve. This is, you know, it's 2020. I mean, in terms of turning them down from what they offered you, was it an immediate like hell no type of thing? Or did you you wrestle with it for a bit? No, big time. I actually went to the district and said, I will stay if you will let me, because I knew the other librarian was going to take an early retirement. She was not coming down to middle school. Um, And so I went to the district and said, I will take both libraries. I've done it before. I know I can do it. Um, If you'll just give me both libraries, I'll run the middle and the high school library and travel between the two. And they said, no, that's not what we want you to do. We want you to go back in the classroom, Um, which is what was really painful about that is after I made the decision not to go that route, they decided to hire a very young new librarian to cover both libraries. So who they could probably pay less because I know absolutely. you have a few degrees to your name at yeah. this point. <laughs> and, and, and the high school library was the same way. So she had 20 something years right. and degrees. And I had, I don't know what step I was when I left, but, and, and, you know, a PhD and two master's degrees. And so for the price that they were paying us, they were paying, you know, they could pay her less than half. So it's, it was... It's, it's remarkable that we almost de-incentivize experience and expertise in education. Yes. I don't know any other industry where that happens. And I hear stories like that all the time. And it flips my wig. It it's, shouldn't. I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but I still get. It's upset. devastating. And, yeah. and if I hadn't been doing a good job, I, I would understand a little bit more. But I really worked very hard and we were written up in the newspaper and I was, you know, on the board of directors for this at the state level for library. I, you know, I mean, there were things that I was doing right. with this school district and very passionate about what I was doing and, and was involved with the GSA. And it just didn't matter. What were some of the things that like stick out to you, like either projects or initiatives you mentioned Mm -hmm. in makerspace that you were kind of like, tell me about some of the things you had going on. Sure. So I'm really, really proud of it because I worked so hard on that. But um, when I first started, the district was actually very pro-library when I first started. Um, And they came to me and said, we have $25,000 and we'd like you to build a makerspace. So there was no such thing. The librarian before me was very good. She's a friend of mine and, and she had started to try to bring in some technology, but just didn't have the funding at the time. Right. But when I came in, they decided that was the time to do it. So they gave me $25,000 and pretty much carte blanche to do whatever I felt like needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought in 3D printers and robotics and coding and all of that. I built a room. We had a room kind of in the back corner and that became our school's makerspace. And it was a, it was a journey over a couple of years from like uh, chaotic play space to like directed learning with a purpose. But right. it, and it, it took a lot of trial and error and some fantastic uh, colleagues who were willing to, <laughs> to really try it out with me. Um, 
But I'm really, really proud of that. We were actually in the paper about our makerspace and the things that we were doing. And then another program that that I did with the library, which sounds kind of crazy, but it was such a neat thing, was uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So I had a Dungeons and Dragons program and my fifth graders were so obsessed. I I had, it was fifth through eighth. And my first year, my eighth graders were really in charge. They were all, you know, they were the leaders. They were the dungeon masters. They did all of the of the planning, but then yeah. they graduated out to high school and my fifth graders took over and they 3D printed their characters. They had entire storylines. It was almost like cosplay. Like they were so into this thing. Uh, and it was just amazing how far they took this program. So it went on for I think we had two full years of Dungeons and Dragons before I left. So it was really yes. a neat program. I loved it. <laughs> and there's like literacy being brought in, yes. there's obviously engineering with the 3D printing. I'm assuming there's mathematics. I haven't played D&D, but oh. I'm peripherally aware that there's dice and numbers. Well, many dice. With plot. Many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Multi-sided they to, dice. Yeah. They printed their dice as well. And then we oh, also wow, had some cool. kids. Yeah. And we had some kids that used apps for like character development. But I mean, it's storytelling and narrative. And I mean, there's yeah. so much there and it was just such a great uh experience so I, w- I was really really proud of that when we had several book clubs that that went on um yeah. i had one that was was lgbtq facing that was a really interesting wow. one and i'm in a i have to be careful about that but i was in a very conservative district so it was real interesting um, i mean i worked in a rural district in illinois so i kind of implicitly understand what you're yes. talking about there. Yes. Yeah. So that was a little challenging, but it went really, really well. And um, we had a group. So I worked with a school counselor and we would do reading group, like um, book groups based on gaps that we knew we had in our, in our population. So wow. there was an anxiety you know, like book group. We had one that was like girl power group and we had some really neat stuff. And, and so I was really proud of that effort too, but um, I just loved what I did. I worked really closely with the teachers. I did a lot of co-teaching. So I was actually out of the library more than I was in the library. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun too. A lot of virtual reality. I did the same projects with the art teacher every quarter. Uh, that was really fun. We do virtual reality trips through um, Salvador Dali paintings. It's really freaked out the kids. And it was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds was like you were, really you were like cherry picking almost like I see this need, we can meet it. And it's yes. like I know as a classroom teacher, and you probably you know know this too, we kind of get in a rut sometimes with like the curriculum and having to do the things we're called to do. It takes someone coming in to kind of like kick us in the butt sometimes and like, what if we did this? I hadn't thought of that because I hadn't had the headspace to think about that. And yeah. that's it was so, so cool. It was so great. And I think that was probably the thing that hurt the most for me was because I worked so hard to do that. And I worked right. with one of our science teachers and she was teaching, uh, it, she was working in a, in an earth science unit. And so I developed a virtual reality experience, uh, that had to do with uh, earthquakes. And so we had the goggles and everything. And then we also brought into that some math where I had the kids using Google earth to, they were looking at us uh, surf in Hawaii and, and which beaches had the, the worst and best erosion rates and that kind of stuff. So it was really cool to be able to like, come alongside this teacher who was kind of stuck teaching this, well, I could take it and do this. And it was really neat. And I didn't have the same kind of requirements you guys did, you know, with, with library, there aren't any requirements. So I really just could support and have fun. So it was, it was great. 
um, for the first year, the library was essentially closed for most of the day and sure. an aide would run the library. So none of the, the groups, I don't know that any of the book clubs came back. Um, the makerspace, I think, was turned into a classroom for the social distancing. So I don't believe that the makerspace came back. I would have to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure the last I heard on that was that it was turned into a classroom. Right, right. Um, so that was, that was really, I, I, I actually, I had to go over one time to pick up something that I had left and I couldn't go past the front office because I just, it was so emotional for me to even see that space. Right. That space was, was my home. So yeah, I haven't been back through since, since I left. And it kind of makes sense to hear when you use the word like mourn almost, it was yes. kind of like those initiatives, those great things you created passed away a little bit. Yeah. And so you said you still kind of are wrestling with that kind of internally. Oh, still. Yeah. Like I love, I'm very happy that I, that I found a position that I enjoy. I can use my skill set, but working with middle schoolers is, is my soul. Like it is my heart and my soul and the relationships I have with those kids um, was so important to me and so meaningful to me. And that piece is gone. And that yeah. is so, I don't even know if I could, if I, if I was still working with pre-service teachers, that's one thing I would tell you, if you're not feeling that connection, you probably don't need to be teaching. Like if you don't love working with kids, you probably need to be out because yeah. that is, that is, that's it. That's the whole thing is, you know, can you break through some of those barriers with these kids? And I mean, some of the stories our kids have, like, it's so intense and so just dark. And if I could just provide that one little safe space for them, and that's what I worked really hard to do. Lots right. of, you know, cozy furniture and pillows and, you know, places that kids could just curl up and, and they would come in and cry sometimes. And it was okay. Like that was their space. They could do that. So yeah, I just, I miss it a lot. I miss my kids. And I miss my colleagues, but I really miss my kids. It seems like too, we've gotten to a place, at least just what I kind of see in here. I vote, uh, my wife is an educator. She's a music educator, mm-hmm. elementary, and um, I'm in the schools a lot doing what I do in teacher education. It just seems like we've gotten back to such a level of like basic compliance of like curriculum and health things. And those are all very important. Don't get me wrong, but the, meeting those kids needs, especially like on a mental health level, like mm-hmm. you talked about, we're kind of getting away from that a little bit. And that makes me sad too. And like I do, I've been out of the classroom now for two years. Um, The day we had our daughter, the previous day I was in my classroom with my students. I never got to say goodbye to them. Exactly. That was my last day. I went in when no one else was in at night and brought my personal effects home. And so like when you talk about that, I kind of like think about my experience has been sort of similar. Like I had already had the teacher education route put in place before that. So I knew it was coming, but never got to like. I guess, like put a bow on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like on a very minimal level, I can definitely relate. It sounds like you had more torn away from you that you were um, expecting than I did for sure. It was a, it's still, like I said, it's still a grieving process. When I went yeah. to um, the PLA, the public library association conference last week, like for me to be in the middle of librarians and I was at the American association of school libraries conference as well. It's extremely challenging for me yeah. because that is such a part of my identity. It's, it's, you know, I have a tattoo down my arms. Like I just, it's I who I am. I, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely who I am and who, and what I love. And it's very challenging for me to not say I'm a school librarian. Like that is just, uh, that is very challenging for me. I and mean, you're talking I, about identity. There's what you're talking yeah. about. That's a part of your identity. You can rest assured that if you listen to the next two episodes from my conversation with Corey, that a happy ending is forthcoming and Corey is doing great, fulfilling work with STEM education works. 
With that said, the impacts of the pandemic cannot be understated on career trajectories and professional satisfaction and fulfillment for educators worldwide, Corey included. As you'll hear on episode 72 from our conversation, Corey is able to tap into her identity of being a school librarian in significant ways in her current work. We will continue to explore Corey's journey on the next two episodes in this podcast feed. You can connect with Corey on LinkedIn. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.